When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Back toward the end of the summer, I went down to New Jersey to meet a guy. Me? This guy. Tony Bosco. Tony Bosco. Just a regular Jersey guy from Jersey, you know? Despite what he says, Tony is not a regular guy from New Jersey. When he was about 30 years old, he was looking to simplify. Since I was little, I just wanted to go and live in the woods. So I says, well, you know, why not? What's stopping me from doing it? Nothing. So I did it, you know? I carried for the longest time not one key. The more keys you got on your hip, the more responsibility and, you know, maybe stress you have. I carried no keys, you know, except the combination lock on my bicycle. Now, if that sounds nice, you should know that most people would have said that during this time, Tony was technically homeless. But Tony called it something else, camping. So I had been camping in 89, probably up until three years ago, which would be, what, 2012 when I got injured. And that's a pretty long time. I guess that's more than 20 years. It's 23 years. He says he was living outdoors for 23 years. This week on Outside In, the story of Tony Bosco, who hid in plain sight for more than two decades in the most densely populated state in the nation. How did he do it? Tony grew up in Piscataway, New Jersey, and he grew up in a pretty standard New Jersey way. He played football on the state champion team. He chased girls, raised hell, got all kinds of lousy grades. But he also fished and camped and read some books, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was uh, my side of the mountain. I guess it was 1967 when I read the book, My Side of the Mountain. You remember My Side of the Mountain, right? Boy runs away from New York City to live in the Catskills, tames a peregrine falcon, befriends a weasel. This is to be my first entry in my journal. I will keep it religiously, just as Thoreau did his. When I read it, it just, like I said, it opened my mind to alternatives. I don't have to live in a house. Tony graduated high school and worked odd jobs for a number of years. He moved to Florida and worked for AT&T and driving a limo. I guess, yeah, I guess uh, AT&T and driving a limo was my last straw. I didn't, uh, I just didn't like it. I didn't like, I liked Florida, but the pay scale was real low. 
And it's like you got to work all the time, you know, and then too much work and no play, you know. So Tony moved back home and just decided to walk away from it all. I never went for the career. I always changed jobs every three years, all my life. I never wanted a mortgage. I didn't want a career. I just wanted to go out and play. That's all I wanted to do. Now, right here at the outset, I need to get something out of the way. The word homeless. Oh yeah, I was very touchy about being called homeless. I'm not homeless. I'm where I, these boots sit, or, or my pro cats, wherever they're at, I'm not homeless no matter what. I'm a camper, you know? I'm not a homeless person. I've never been homeless, never. Tony feels pretty strongly about this fact. And as you'll see, Tony is not really representative of homelessness in a lot of ways. But let's be honest, he's not really representative of your average camper either. The patch of forest that Tony spent most of his years camping in was a piece of land owned by Rutgers University called Kilmer Woods. You know, and, and, and back in here, I know every one of these trees. This wasn't a path. None of this was here. These apartments weren't here. This was wilderness right here. I mean, woods. When you're in New Jersey, you've got maybe a slightly lower bar for your definition of wilderness. Kilmer Woods is about 370 acres. To put that in perspective, if you set up camp in the deepest part of the forest, you'd never be more than a quarter mile from paved roads. Tony's shelter was maybe a couple of hundred yards from the nearest apartment building and just a few hundred feet from the nearest trail. Now, maybe you read about the hermit who lived in some woods in central Maine for 27 years, stealing food and supplies from second homes and summer camps that whole time until he was finally caught. That was a crazy story. But that was also Maine, where there are huge tracts of forest that you can hide out in. This is a tiny island of second-growth forest in the middle of a sprawling suburban center. But the stakes are the same. He's on private property. If he gets caught, he's probably going to be arrested. And he's definitely going to get kicked out. So how does someone live unnoticed on university property for years? Seclusion. Don't put down footpaths. Don't disturb the, the foliage. You gotta be able to, to uh, blend and always wear earth tones, not black. Black stands out like white in the woods. You gotta wear the earth tones, the browns, the grays, the greens. Tony's shelter is tall enough so you can sit up in it, but not stand. It's low so that it's harder to spot through the scrub. It's got screens to keep the bugs out, windows and doors. It's made of leftover construction materials and painted to blend in. There are branches and pine boughs strewn all around it. These were all standing up like this. I put this here. These were, well, actually that grew. But all these pieces of wood, all them, all this, everything laying on the ground, I put here. It was a fence that went like this, like this, like this. The brush in Kilmer Woods is thick, and Tony would strategically weave saplings together and arrange dead fallen branches, even haul in old Christmas trees that people threw out each year. He would thicken the woods up in certain places to subtly redirect anyone who had decided to leave the trail. Even people like Nick Zarula. He used to ride his bike through Kilmer Woods when he was a kid, and he knows it pretty well. Honestly, my mind is blown because we weren't only riding there, we were digging there. And we were building stuff maybe we shouldn't, like 
jump trails and stuff, and we never ran into anybody. Nick is from Piscataway originally, and he was the one who first heard of Tony. He went down to make a film about him, and I went along. And when him and I met the first time, we had lunch. And I said to him that I thought I had almost found him once because I had found a deer path or a tunnel, and he laughed. And he goes, well, where'd you end up? And I said, nowhere. And he goes, exactly, because that's where I wanted you to end up. Whatever your feelings about how fun it is to go camping, doing it night after night doesn't seem to be great for you. Every shred of information that we have shows that being homeless is bad for your health. Homeless people are more likely to die of drug overdoses, more likely to die of cancer, and somewhere between two and six times more likely to die, period. And when you dig in to look at just the population who are sleeping rough, which is what we call it when people aren't sleeping in shelters or on friends' couches, the numbers get even worse. Because of this, there's even a saying that advocates for people experiencing homelessness like to use. Housing is healthcare. But Tony is kind of an anomaly. He's organized. To hear him tell it, he doesn't have any problems with drugs or alcohol. He wore clean clothes that he took to the laundry every week. He was usually employed. He says he worked in construction under the table for years, but also managed nightclubs and was a security guard, worked for the local Roman Catholic diocese. He even did volunteer work at churches to help out homeless people. Now, I will say it does drive certain homeless advocates crazy whenever they hear about people who have, quote, chosen to be homeless, unquote. Because there's often this backstory of poverty and trauma that makes it so that choice was not particularly freely made. Saying that people choose homelessness is seen as a way to justify not spending any resources to help them. But again, Tony seems to be an outlier. He's got good relationships with his sisters, got along with his parents. He was very employable. But still, he went camping. To get a sense of how unusual Tony is, I spoke to a bunch of healthcare professionals, homelessness advocates, and also talked to a couple of guys who asked to be identified as Alex and Tim. You guys have a second? Who have both spent time homeless and sleeping rough. Do you mind being interviewed? No. All right. So what do you have to worry about when you live outside? day after day. Your feet? Yeah, definitely see a, fair, a lot of trench foot and a lot of immersion foot. And, and they're, they have trench feet. Yeah, because you, you can imagine, if you're always wearing your shoes all day long, you know, you never get a chance to take off your feet for your feet to cool off, and they get kind of like, like warm from the moisture. It just sucks, the moist. Trench foot, like Vietnam. Tony never got that. Rotating your, your shoes is important because you want to use them, let them air out, use another pair. Let them air out, use another pair, so you don't constantly get uh, foot issues. I myself have never had foot issues. You've also got to stay fed. Tony ate lots of junk food. In his shelter, he had hundreds of flattened Little Debbie packages. And on the backs of the boxes, he wrote little notes about the weather, errands he needed to run, or food that he ate. Uh, so, let's see what this one says. Pizza. Ha, huh, I must have had pizza. Other signs of his diet? Around his campsite, there were bones scattered everywhere. Rib bone, jaw bone. Yep, judging by the size, I'd say it was a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old doe. Tony used to hunt deer out in these woods. He was a bow hunter. 
often he was hunting illegally, but he justified it in his own mind. In New Jersey, you're allowed per person legally like 100 deer. We got deer, it makes the news when they come across that river and get hit right there. These giant bucks get hit right there. I checked up on this, and that's mostly true. In about two-thirds of New Jersey, there is no limit on the number of female deer you can shoot, as long as you have a permit. So it seems like Tony's diet was equal parts junk food, eating at bars and restaurants, and occasionally shooting deer. Now, while New Jersey might not be quite as cold as New Hampshire, even so, in the winter, you've got to watch out for frostbite. Cold has scientifically been proven. It makes you dumb. There's probably six or seven, maybe closer to ten patients here right now who've had amputations from frostbite. Exposed areas, fingers, toes, usually. Tony dressed well for the cold, wearing layers, and was a big fan of technical fabrics like what you'd find in an outdoor store. But his winter sleeping system is not something you'll find in an REI catalog. But I always, you know, not for nothing, I slept in the raw, you know? And I just can't sleep with clothes on. But I slept in the raw all year round. Oh. How does this guy not have frostbite? Futons. My favorite was a Tony the hot dog. I would be like a hot dog in in my little sheds, and they would bend like this. Tony's shelters were always a little bit too narrow for the futon mattresses he would buy. So the futon would fold up on either side, and he would just nestle in the middle like the fillings of a taco. So the futons, you get the nice six-inch ones because the nine-inch ones are hard to carry out into the woods. Make sure they're black, and you get the futons. You buy them anywhere. Buy a replacement futon. I get a brand new one, paint the place really nice, and then you have the futon that goes like this. And then you have the sleeping bag and the sheets on top of the futon, the sheets, and they tuck them in and stuff, and you know. Oof. Okay, so related pitfall, keeping your bed and yourself clean. You gotta sleep clean. You have to stay clean. Because if you don't... They have much more dermatological um, infestations, um, scabies, lice, crabs. A lot of people are kind of uncleanly, but it's because they have nowhere to do, and they just don't know how to do what they have to do. Tony's camp was right near a little brook, which he would wash off in year-round. And I would wash every single night... Icicles come off my hair, I didn't care. You gotta go in clean. But surviving when you're sleeping outside isn't just about keeping healthy. It's also about blending in, trying not to look like you just rolled out of a tent. So you don't get, so you just don't get a, a, a stereotype, you know, just put in a category where everybody's like, oh no, you're a bad person, I don't want to help you, I don't want to talk to you. And this is where I have to point out that the actual survival part of living outside isn't exactly rocket science. The hard part is figuring out how to navigate a world that expects you to live in a damn house. All I can say is the backpack really infringes either you're either a student or a homeless person with that backpack. And that is, that is one thing that you might get looked upon. Just think, why don't you carry a backpack with you everywhere you go? Why don't you look homeless? It's because, among other reasons, you've got places to stash your stuff. You really don't fall in love with a materialistic object that you can't carry with you all the time because you cannot guarantee its safety or or it's going to be its whereabouts where you left it. I've had my tent straight up taken. Like, I went back to my tent site, my tent and everything was gone, you know. And I I mean, I spent a month, about a month just sleeping underneath the stars, trees and shit, and just doing what I had to do to, 
to survive. And this brings us back to the beginning. Tony's secret spot in Kilmer Woods. Remember all the brush that he used? The deception, the earth tones, all of it to keep his shelter a secret? Uh, Seclusion. Seclusion is A number one. Pick your location. Total seclusion so you you don't have to uh, count on people being honest. Tony was able to hold jobs because he could keep clean. He could keep clean because he didn't have to wear or carry all of his clothes all the time. He didn't have to carry everything with him because he was reasonably sure that there wasn't much of a chance of people stumbling across his hideout. As an insurance policy, he did keep extra supplies stashed in the nooks and crannies of suburban New Jersey. I watched him pull a strategically located fishing pole out of a drainage pipe in a rock wall. But plan A was to simply melt into the scenery. He would wait until dark to return to his sleeping spot every night. After a few years, he gave up cooking at his campsite or having a fire out there. And so he was able to go unnoticed for years. When I finally got fed up, I got fed up with having to have to go to work for a bigger, nicer car, a nicer place, or everybody else's standard. It wasn't mine. I didn't want it. I just didn't want it. Because the more I'd make, the more I'd just was unhappy. But then I decided, you know, I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to do as I pleased every day. If I want to get up at three in the morning, go hunting and fishing, I get up. If I want to sleep until eight o'clock in the morning, I do that. Nobody's going to bother me except the freaking raccoons occasionally, you know? When we get down to it, surviving the elements of a New Jersey winter is not incredibly hard. Even up here in northern New England, there are people who spend the whole winter outside. Generally, it's not exposure that kills homeless people. Talking with somebody recently, asking him, um, you know, what's your plan for the winter? Are you staying out? Or, yep. And so he's all set. He's got his three sleeping bags. And, you know, um, so they plan. A recent study in Boston found the top cause of death among its homeless population was drug overdose. After that came cancer, mostly lung and liver cancer. So think smoking and drinking, and then not going to the doctor for years. The kinds of death you might associate with survival situations, freezing to death, starvation, dehydration, they didn't even make the list. When someone seems to not come in from the cold, they are generally very mentally ill, okay? Or very, very, very under the influence or inebriated, you know? Sleeping rough exacerbates those chronic illnesses so much more than in any other context of existence, right? Well, and I imagine, I imagine that it probably just exacerbates whatever you're living with. Yes, whatever, right. So if we ask ourselves, How did Tony survive all those years of sleeping outside? I'm sure that his secrecy, his hygiene, his systems for keeping warm and employed, they were important. But most of all, he survived because he avoided the worst parts of the human condition. He steered clear of addiction. (music) 
Tony says he grew marijuana and mostly gave it away, but he did sell some. He talked about a few wild parties down by the river, but he definitely didn't have the kind of deep alcoholism that drives people to constantly have a drink on hand. In three days with him, I only saw him drink iced tea, hot coffee, and cold water. Tony Bosco lived outside in central New Jersey for more than 20 years. There were a few brief periods where he had an apartment. Once, he went to take care of his father for the final few months of his life. And once he lived in a house that he was taking care of while working for the Catholic diocese. But in both cases, he says it didn't last more than a couple months. And uh, I had places to live all the time, you know, but I, I, I liked doing what I did. Eventually, the Rutgers Police Department found his campsite and confiscated his stuff. They left him a note that he could come by and collect it from them. And when he did, they charged him. Uh, Defiant trespassing, because I would build a structure and live on something I wasn't paying taxes on. He moved on. He found some other camping spots that he could rotate between, but not too much later, about three years ago, Tony got into a car accident. He was driving his van when he says another car blew through an intersection, leaving him with 11 damaged vertebrae and unable to work. So he came inside. They said, you only qualify for supplemental security income. And that's $764 a month. Which isn't a lot, but that's that. These days he's housed, living with a high school friend named Joe. Tony lost a few teeth in the car accident and has put on some weight since getting hurt. But he's alive. Being in his late 50s, he's already outlived most people who spend decades sleeping outside. But when you ask Tony what the future holds for him, it's hard to know what to make of his answer. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with society. I am kind of looking forward to growing up one day and joining. <laughs> but I'm getting older now, physically, and I, it's probably time. I, I don't feel like it's time, but, you know, if push comes to shove, I'll go back out to the woods. You know, and and be happy. Outside In was produced this week by me, Sam Evans-Brown, with help from Logan Shannon, Taylor Quimby, Molly Donahue, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Maureen McMurray. A big thanks to Nick Zarula for hooking us up with Tony Bosco. You can head to his website to see a documentary he made where you can learn more about Tony Bosco, see his shelters, and hear him telling a lot more about his life. That's nickcz.com, as in the name Nick, the letter C, the letter Z.com. You can also find a link to his work and view the video at our website, outsideinradio.com. Also, I'd like to thank all of the healthcare professionals who we talked to for this story. They were Marianne Savaris, Jennifer Chisholm, and Paula Mann with Healthcare for the Homeless of Manchester, and Dave Munson and Travis Baggett with Healthcare for the Homeless in Boston. A quick plug here for our social media feeds. We share a lot of super fun stuff on Facebook and Twitter, and so you should check us out at Outside In Radio. Music this week came from Spinning Merkaba, Blue Dot Sessions, and Broke for Free. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. Thank you.